we all have a different way of fighting. We all have a uh, different time when we are most likely to fight about something. Um, And it's clear that we need a little bit of help in this. Uh, Strangely enough, fighting, rather, how we fight is one of the keys in a healthy relationship. Um, So John Gottman and his Relationship Institute or his Marriage Institute. So uh, he's kind of a marriage guru, relationship guru type person. Um, But he, uh, in his books, he says like it's not about not fighting. In fact, most fights will, in a marriage especially, will never be resolved. You just kind of keep fighting about the same thing. It's not about not fighting. It's about how you fight. Okay, so this is one of the keys to the healthy relationship, and it transcends, I think, into friendships. It transcends into how we deal with people in the world. We need some help fighting. All you got to do is go on, you know, whatever major news site, click on any given article, and start reading the comments. We need help, right? We need help in knowing, like, how to engage each other. Jonah needed some help. He clearly did not know how to engage the person that he was fighting with or the people he was fighting with. In fact, his world gets turned kind of upside down when God extends mercy to his enemies, to Nineveh. And it kind of puts the nail in the coffin when he realizes that they are repenting. They're not being destroyed. It says he was exceedingly displeased with Nineveh's repentance. So you kind of go up to Jonah, you say, well, what's, what's wrong, Jonah? Oh, nothing, I guess. You know, my, my mission worked. God saved hundreds of thousands of lives, whatever, you know. Like he's upset at this, that God is working. That his message, in spite of himself, actually inspires repentance in Nineveh, and he's mad about that because he wants vindication that he was right. He wants vindication that Israel, the people of God, he, the prophet of God, is right, they are wrong, and that he is the standard of right living, right? So his, his message is you've been running from God for far enough, and now it's time to die, right? Like that's what, that's what he wants to happen. Ironically, probably still smells like fish vomit from when he was running from God, right? You don't spend three days in a fish's insides and not smell a little bit like fish puke, you know? So he's, he's forgetting or he's just blind to this commonality that he shares with his enemy. How quickly we forget how much we have in common with one another, with people in the world. Paul puts it this way. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You did that among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. How much we share in common and how quickly we forget what we have in common. Can we just, can we have a little humility 
when we engage the world? Can we manage our expectations when we engage the world? There's a, there's a pretty common, um, I don't know if it's like a, uh, a comfort, but, you know, if, if you were a little bit nerdier like me in high school, you know, you kind of comforted yourself with the thoughts of, well, all those, all those popular kids, they're going to be flipping my burgers someday, you know. Um, they're not. Most of them are rich and successful, by the way, you know. So, but but the, the comfort that you tell yourself in the time is like, you know, my suffering will be vindicated or they'll see the error in their ways and they'll turn. Um, and this is kind of how Jonah was engaging his audience, right? He doesn't expect grace. And if he did, he certainly doesn't expect it to look like it did. He doesn't expect it to be messy. We don't expect it to be messy. It says Nineveh turned from violence, right? That's what God commanded, turn from violence. It doesn't say that they turned toward justice. It doesn't say that they started living in a Christ-like way. It just says what they turned away from. And God was gracious to them. God still saved them. He doesn't wait until they get everything perfect. He doesn't wait until they get their hearts and their minds and their behavior in a perfect, clean, nice little bow-tied way. They're still really rough around the edges. But still, God is eager to save them. He's eager to save them. He's eager to bestow his mercy and his grace. In fact, it's not just Nineveh. Nineveh, he's eager to bestow his mercy and his grace on anyone who is turned away from him. On the world that was turned away from him, right? That was Paul's message. All of us once walked in this way. He's eager to bestow his grace on all of us. So eager, so desperate to share love and grace that he would actually sacrifice himself. That he would actually take the initiative to put on flesh and come among us. That's how eager God is to show his love and his grace. That he would actually go to death on our behalf. And it's not because we got everything straight and perfect first. It's not because we got our minds and our hearts right first. It's not because we turned from violence first. Remember, we actually killed him. We did not turn away from violence before God showed us grace. While we were still enemies of the cross, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, Scripture says. No, grace comes at God's initiative, not ours. Grace comes in Jesus Christ. Paul continues this thought right after he says, after, after he says we are all dead in our trespasses, he continues, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were sinners, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This grace comes to us. And he goes on to say that because of the grace you have been shown, you can manifest 
that love of God. You can manifest the good works of God in your own life. Once grace comes to us, grace moves through us. So catch this. The point is not that we would be a spectacle. The point is not that we would say, look at us, we're pictures of God's grace. Look at us, we're being Christ-like. Look at us so you can know God. The task of the disciple is transparency. The task of the disciple is transparency. So when people look at us, they immediately see Christ. Not the good things we do, not the time we set aside, not the money we donate, not the sacrifices that we make, but they immediately see Christ. The the task of the disciple is transparency. We are not Jesus. You are not Jesus. You are not even a picture of Jesus. Jesus acts in spite of us. He acts through us. His grace makes us transparent. This is what happened with Jonah. The grace of God was not a picture in Jonah. It worked in spite of Jonah. It worked through Jonah, right? This is us. Every time we take God's word to someone, we, we, there is something in us that wants to make it a spectacle or that wants to place a condition on it. We take God's word to someone and we say, well, maybe they'll come to church and maybe they'll become part of our body, But then, what if that actually happens? Well, they're still really rough around the edges, and we start getting surprised. Or we're surprised that they don't look like us or look like Jesus. We're surprised and maybe even resentful if stuff isn't changing quickly enough for us. That our picture is not shown in them. The task of the disciple is transparency. That people would know Christ through us. I'll put it another way. We are representatives in the kingdom of God. We are representatives of the king. Scripture calls us ambassadors. In other words, we are not spectacles to be seen. We are mouthpieces. The enemies of the king, when an ambassador stands in their presence, they're not told hear my words, or start acting like me. It's I'm here on behalf of someone greater. This is his word, okay? I bear this seal. I I come with this authority. It has nothing to do with me. Don't even even see me. This This is the king in your presence. It has nothing to do with me. I'm only echoing what I have been told. This is the task of the ambassador. It's transparency so that the enemies of the king would see the king that they would hear the king. We are transparent so people see Jesus. The question I want us to ask ourselves this morning is when people look at us, what do they see? Who do they see? Do they see Jesus or do they see a version of his word that we want to make comfortable? Do they see Jesus or do they see, you know, a kind of tweaked version of him? This is what the enemies of God see when they look at God. Is this what we are bringing forth? But I say to you who hear, 
In the words of Christ, I, Jesus, say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. He was literally uttering his dying breath to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Is this what the enemies of the king see when they look at the ambassadors of the king? Is this what we're putting out? Because who is the king that we are representing? Who is it that we are showing? Our king fights for his enemies. That's weird. I mean, can we acknowledge that that is a little counterintuitive to the way that we are predisposed to live and act? Can we say like, wow, I have a lot to put down in myself before Christ comes out, before Christ is visible. I have a lot to set back. I have a lot to confess. I have a lot to be humbled by before I can stand in anyone's presence and say, hear the word of the Lord. Our king fights for his enemies and puts himself at the mercy of his enemies to show mercy to his enemies. Okay, let me say that again. Our king fights for his enemies by placing himself at the mercy of his enemies to show mercy to his enemies. He put his life into our hands knowing that we would abuse him. He placed himself at our mercy. Does this characterize how we represent our king, our kingdom? Can you imagine Jonah's response? If he, putting himself out there, going through everything that he did, can you imagine his response, if he knew that Assyria would take Israel captive and exile them less than a century later? Can you imagine? Like, I mean, he had a hard enough time with them repenting, right? But knowing that they would turn right around and take his people captive. Can you imagine his response? Would you hand someone a gun knowing that they were just going to turn around and kill you with it? That doesn't make sense. That's asinine. That's nonsense. Forgiveness is harder than that. Forgiveness is harder than that because you know you're going to do it again and again and again and again. And it's not just an instant moment and done. You bear scars. You bear pain that people inflict, you willingly enter those spaces knowing you will be hurt repeatedly by placing yourself at the mercy of your enemies also that they would know the mercy of God. God disrupts his enemies with a new revolutionary style of fighting. God fights with grace. The grace that covers sin. This is our fighting style. We bear the cross of Christ that he bore to forgive our sins. This is how we fight. We bear the cross of Christ. 
But when people look up on that cross, who do they see? Look how much I suffer. Look how much I give all for the world. And look how much I... No, 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 no. We bear the cross of Christ. When people look up on that cross, who do they see? The king who died for them. The king who fights for them with grace. We disrupt our enemies with mercy in humility through, through Jesus so that our prayer is, Father, forgive us, for we know not what we do. So that our battle cry is, he must increase, I must decrease. I have been crucified with Christ, so it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is how we fight. This is how we disrupt. We, we disrupt our enemies in the way that we have been disrupted. We, the enemies of God, have been made his friends, his people, his ambassadors even. We disrupt with grace, through faith in Jesus Christ.